Hallelujah. Let's go over to Exodus 15. And let's look at verse 26. We're so we're in a, a series here on Wednesday night called Healing is for You. Healing is for you. Amen. Healing is for me. Healing is for my family. Healing is for my children. Healing is for my grandchildren. Did you know that your faith will work for your family? Did you know that? Oh yeah, I understand. I know that there's a time and place where they need to rise up and use their own faith. But I tell you, until some of them are ready, you just use your faith with them and for them. Amen? Glory to God. So Exodus 15 now. Let's look at this in verse uh, 26. One of the most famous verses of Scripture on healing uh, that you can imagine. And by the way, we do have a healing clinic every Thursday. Every Thursday here in this building at 12 noon. And it is rich. The Amarals do a rich job speaking and preaching. And so does Tony. And, and of course, Raul's there overseeing. And it's a, just a great constant feeding. So 12 noon. Amen? Exodus fifteen twenty six And said... If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God. Did you know that there will be some things that will never happen to those that are not diligent? The scripture says, He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. Not casually. We could say it this way. He doesn't reward those who seek Him out of convenience. Or conveniently. He rewards those... Hallelujah, that diligently seek Him. So notice, here's that word. If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do what is right in His sight, not my sight, and will give ear to His commandments, faith cometh by hearing, and keep all His statutes, I will put or I will permit none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought or which I have permitted upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. I am Jehovah Rapha. I'm not Jehovah Rapha of yesterday. I'm not Jehovah Rapha of the future. I'm Jehovah Rapha of the past, the present, and the future. He am Jehovah Rapha. Because He am the Lord and He does not change. He is your healer. Healing is for you. And healing is for me. So we established quite a bit last week when we looked at Romans ten seventeen and Matthew 13, verse 15. You can get that teaching online. Those are things that we need to be reminded of. But now notice with me tonight... In the time that we have this evening, notice with me over in the book of James. James chapter 1. And uh, notice verse 5 through 8. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. God's working right now. God's working in some bodies in this place right now. Hallelujah. It wouldn't bother me in the least bit. You sense a healing in your body for you to rejoice. Amen. Amen. And get happy. James chapter 1, verse 5 through 8. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. 
But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sin, sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. And notice verse 8, it says, A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. So we cannot afford to be double-minded concerning the will of God in this area of health and healing. If a person is sick, beyond a shadow of a doubt, it is the will of God for that person to be healed. If a person is strong and healthy right now, without a doubt, it is the will of God for them to stay that way. To be in health. Okay? So here's what happens with a lot of folks. They're double-minded about their healing. And until that is a settled fact in people's mind and in their spirit, there's going to be some staggering. There's going to be some hesitation. There's going to be some wondering. And there's going to be some questioning. You and I must become so absolutely single-minded that it's God's will for us to be well and to stay well that there's no question about it. There's no doubt about it. There's no wavering about it. There's no staggering about it. Somebody said, yeah, but Aunt Sally died at age 35. I'm sorry that Aunt Sally died, but if she's a Christian, we know she's in heaven. We don't base our faith on what happened to Aunt Sally. Do we? We don't base our faith on what happened to anybody. We base our faith on what happened to Jesus. That He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And with His stripes, we are healed. Somebody said, well, Pastor Mark, I just don't understand this. I don't understand how this could happen. You know what? We are not supposed to understand everything. If the Lord wants to reveal something to you, He'll reveal it to you. But very often, my brothers and sisters, the Scripture says in Deuteronomy 29 that the secret things belong to the Lord. But those things that are revealed, amen, are revealed to His sons and to His daughters, right? So don't bother yourself about those things. You just stay in the Word. And you stay steadfast. You walk in the Word and walk in the light that you have. And by no means do we ever condemn somebody. By no means do we ever look down on somebody. No, you and I are to be lifters of people. We're to lift families that are hurting. And we're to be there for them. Do you all understand that? I think that you do. Amen. So notice with me now in Romans chapter 4. Romans the 4th chapter. Notice in verse 20 and 21. Here's Abraham. Abraham was not double-minded. He had the opportunity to be double-minded. He had the opportunity to doubt. But notice what happened to Abraham in Romans chapter 4 and verse 20 and 21. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Romans, the fourth chapter, verse 20, 21. 
He, speaking of Abraham, staggered not at the promise of God through what? But rather, he was strong, where? He was strong in faith. And what, is his, what did his faith do as a result of him being strong in it? His faith gave glory to God. I want you to know that whether you have the full manifestation of divine health and divine life in your body, if you're in faith, that gives God glory. If you're standing on the promises of God for debt freedom, and you have, still have debt in your life, and if you're in faith, and if you're staggering not at the promise of God through unbelief, your faith is pleasing God. So don't you dare get under condemnation because something's up. Because there's something amiss. Praise the Lord. You just stay steadfast. Amen. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith. I want us to say that I am strong in faith. And my faith gives glory to God. Verse 21. And being fully persuaded. I like that, don't you? When a person is fully persuaded, that means there's not room for anything else. Anybody ever been full before? I used to go to a buffet called Hometown Buffet in Newark. And uh, I used to go make several trips to the buffet. And I'd look at Brendan and I'd say, I'm just so full right now, there's not room for anything more. Well, that's how God wants us to be with faith. He wants us to be not partially persuaded. Not persuaded on Monday and Wednesday and, and Friday, but persuaded, fully persuaded at all times. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised. Now, it's important to know what he's promised. Right? Being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Amen. Now notice the amplified version in verse 21, or verse 20 and 21. Amplified says this, He staggered not at the promise of God, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully, fully, Fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. Amen? Fully satisfied and assured that what God was able and that God was able and mighty to keep his word and to do what he had promised. Let me ask you tonight how many of you have seen God perform a promise in your life before? Look at those hands. How many of you have seen God just absolutely show up and show out and cause His Word to come to pass in your life? That's every hand. That's every hand. You know what? If He's done it before... Oh man, that was a good response right there. <laughs> Let's say it again. If He's done it before, He will... And not only will he do it again, but he's doing it again. He's doing it again. I don't see it. I don't feel it. But he's doing it. 
He's doing it. That's why he tells you to go to sleep at night. Because while you're sleeping, come on somebody, while you're sleeping, he is at work. He is working. He is working. He's working. He's working on your case. And you know what? I believe that. I just flat believe it. How about you? Amen. Say it to me. He's a working. He's a Let's say it real fast now. He's working. He's working. He's working. All right. Let's go on to another scripture. Look at First John chapter 5. First John the 5th chapter. 14th verse. 15th verse. I'd, I'd like to look at it in the Amplified Version. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. And this is the confidence, the assurance. Another way of saying, this is how you get fully persuaded. This is the privilege of boldness. When you stand on the promises of God, you can be bold. Which we have in Him. You are in Him. He is in you. And our assurance is what we know that we have in him now notice this next verse we are sure that if we ask anything if we make any request according to his will in agreement with his own plan or his word what does he do he does what he, he listens to and what, he, what else he hears it. Now let's look at this just a little bit further. If we make a request in accordance with His will. Somebody says, well, how do we know whether it's the will of God or not? You've got to look to the Word. Because the Word of God shows you the will of God. Amen? Amen? God's Word is God speaking to you. And you have 66 books of God's will. Amen? Now notice verse 15. Verse 15 says, And since we positively know that He listens to us, whatever we ask, according to His Word, we also know with settled and absolute knowledge that we have. We know we have. He that believeth hath. We know that we have Granted, we serve a God of grants. Granted as our present possessions, the requests that we made of Him. Isn't that a great verse? So then we must eliminate any uncertainty concerning God's will for us to be healed. Faith begins where the will of God is known. I want to read something to you, and I think everyone should have a copy of this book. I don't know whether we have any copies in the bookstore or not, but I think we still have our sale going on, don't we? Until the 15th? Today. I mean, 50% off. Amen. You know what that means? If a book costs $2, you get it for one. Right? I wasn't very good at math, but I know that. <laughs> 
That making the most of your meltdowns book in there? Come on, somebody. Half price off? Brenda Raleen Thomas? Okay, so this, this is uh, taken from Christ the Healer, F.F. F. Bosworth. Great book, right? How many of you have got a copy of F.F. F. Bosworth? Okay. For those of you who don't get a copy of it, it's well worth your read. Brother Hagin said he wore out several hardcover books when he was traveling around the nation. He just wore out several of those books. He read it so much. He read it so much. It'll feed your faith. It'll feed your Find something that feeds your faith and be consistent with it. You know, for example, you might hear something by Keith Moore. You might hear something by Mark Hankins. You might hear something by George Amaral, P.T., Pastor Nancy, or even myself. If that, that something just really ministers to you, don't set it aside. It's a word for you. Make sure that you hear it and hear it and hear it. All right. So here's what F.F. Bosworth said. He said, before anyone can have a steadfast faith for the healing of their body, they must be rid of all uncertainty concerning God's will in the matter. Appropriating faith cannot go beyond one's knowledge of the revealed will of God. This is in every area. Prosperity, healing, everything. Before attempting to exercise faith for healing, we could say it like this, even before you ask, or even before you claim, before attempting to exercise faith for healing, one needs to know what the Scriptures plainly teach. Amen? That it's just as much God's will to heal the body as it is to save our spirits from hell. And then he goes on to say, it is impossible to have real faith for healing as long as there is the slightest doubt as to it being God's will. Think about Abraham. He was fully persuaded. He didn't have the slightest doubt. But a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Then he goes on to say this. It's impossible to boldly claim by faith a blessing which we are not certain that God offers. Because the power of God can be claimed only where the will of God is known. For instance, it would be next to impossible to get, her, to get a sinner to believe unto righteousness or to believe for salvation before you had fully convinced him that it was God's will to save him. I mean, that almost seems ridiculous. Of course it's God's will for everyone to be saved. Will everyone be saved? No, because not everyone is going to believe and receive. Faith begins where the will of God is known, he says. Faith rests, must rest on the will of God alone. Appropriating faith is not believing that God can, but that He will. Amen. So let's look at a few scriptures tonight, and I'll, I'll read them to you. We're not going to preach a long time tonight. Are you getting anything out of this tonight? You know, it's, it's of great value when we can come together and we can have the Spirit of God moving. 
He's moving in this service. He is moving from the time we walked in. He'll be, he's moving until the time we walk out. Amen. There's great value in taking time to get into the presence of God. You will find this, that the more presence you have, the stronger you will be. The more of His presence you enjoy, the more life you will enjoy. The more of His presence you have, the more joy will be manifested in your life. And why is that? Because in His presence, you guys are really sharp. In His presence is what? Fullness of joy. So it's good to come to church and get over into the presence. Because there's answers in the presence of God. There's unction in the presence of God. There's great value in the corporate anointing. There's great value when people like you and me come together because we're hungry. Blessed to be envied are those who hunger and thirst after what? Righteousness, for they shall be filled. They that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. Presence. Everyone say presence. presence. Hallelujah. We used to sing a song, the presence of the Lord is here. I can feel it in the atmosphere. The presence of the Lord is here. I can feel it in the atmosphere. Oh, hallelujah. The more presence you have and experience His presence, the more peace you will enjoy. Amen. Walking with Him makes all the difference in our lives. Let's raise our hands and thank Him for it. Glory to God. 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 And that's why he said over in Ephesians, he says, don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess, right? But rather be what? Rather be filled with the Spirit. Back in Ephesians 3, he says, have the richest measure of His divine presence. Become a man or a woman of God, wholly filled and flooded with God Himself. I like that, don't you? Yes. So it's, it's great and it's neat to talk about the presence of the Lord. There's presence in the Scriptures. There's presence in this place. Somebody says, well, how, how, how do I tap into that? Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Doing what? Speaking to yourselves. In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody to your, in your heart to the Lord. Hallelujah! Years ago, I think P.N. or George or Terry can probably remember this. I believe E.W. E. Kenyon wrote a book called In Its Presence. 
in his presence. There was a man that practiced the presence of God. The greatest men of God that I know, incidentally, are great men of God because they serve a great God. But those men, like T.L. Osborne, Oral Roberts, Kenneth E. Hagan, those men practiced the presence of God. Brother Roberts would say he would never, ever think of getting behind a pulpit unless he was sensing his presence and sensing his anointing. Because it is the anointing that destroys the yoke. And it is the anointing that lifts and helps people. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Presence. Presence. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon us. The Spirit of the Lord is in this place. The Spirit of God is here. You know what we're going to do? Even stronger and greater and better than we've ever done before, we're going to yield and rely on the Spirit of God who's in us and who's on us. Woohoo! Relying on Him, Raul. You go back to the Philippines, your total reliance is on Him. You guys, Lifeford, praise the Lord. When you go to Thailand, you're going in the power of God. You're going with total reliance on Him. When you get up in the morning tomorrow and head out to work, rely on Him. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And changes and alters the environment when I walk into it. Everywhere I go. That's the kind of confessions we need to be yes, making. Amen. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. It changes. It does. And alters. Yes. The environment. Glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. That means you can walk into a home full of strife. And when you walk in and the Holy Ghost walks in. In you and on you. It changes and alters the very environment around us. Hallelujah. I heard Bill teach that up in, uh, in Reading. Praise the Lord. He says that all the time. Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Brother Moore, down there at healing school, he served in healing school for years and years and years and years and years. And before he'd lay hands on people, he'd just sit in his office and he'd maybe say it for a half hour, 45 minutes or so. He'd say this, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. let's, Let's say that a few times. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you because He has anointed you. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you 
because he has anointed you and given you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him and you know exactly what to do you know exactly the way to go for the spirit of the Lord is upon you for good raise your hands and say the spirit of the Lord is upon me he's upon oh (laughs) hallelujah he is upon us he is upon you he's upon you for good the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. And you know exactly what to do. You, exactly, you know exactly which way to go. Because you're filled with the Spirit. And you've been brought into the divine flow. Amen? So, last thing I just want to say to you is this. Because we, we talked about presence here for a moment. There, when... When you get filled with the Holy Ghost and you get serious about it and you stay full of the Holy Ghost, which all of us need to do, the fuller the better. When this happens, you hit a saturation point. There's a saturation. A saturation. An anointing. And that saturation then, what happens after that, things begin to be activated. Say it with me, saturation, saturation. and then activation. activation. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Glory to God. I'm telling you, you come down to church on a Sunday night or a Wednesday night or whenever, and you get in the presence of the Lord, there's some things being activated. I said there's some things being activated. Some good things. Amen. Let's all stand up. That's enough for tonight. Father, thank you so much.